0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the second episode of We Have Opinions. We
1: Have Opinions, as uh, usual. My name is Tim.
0: And my name is Sabrina.
1: Sabrina, the the tour to my snow dog. Oh, yeah. gross. <laughs> this is totally not the second time of us recording this, uh, because we lost the second half of our first podcast.
0: So, if you don't know... Um, the whole idea of this podcast is that we talk all things pop culture, uh, TV, movies, books, video games, music, uh, just whatever piques our interest is what we're going to discuss here today. So normally what we do for this, uh, for I guess normally our second inaugural episode.
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard to say it's normally when I okay, it's the second time we Well, we're going to
0: do it twice, so it'll be fine. Oh, great. Okay. Um, is that we are going to... Uh, first, start off by uh, giving a little bit of pop culture news, okay. um, and then talk about you know, what we've really been getting into lately, um, and then we'll get into our main topic. Our main topic this time is going to be a continuation of the topic in our first episode. It's going to be the second half of our
1: Desert Island Songs, uh,
0: which is, uh, as I put it, you are on a desert island, you get 10 songs, and those are the only 10 songs you can listen to for the rest of your life. What ten songs did you pick, and
1: why? Alrighty, baby. Do uh, you want me to start with the news?
0: Yeah, go ahead and start with the news. Alright,
1: breaking news and all that stuff. Uh, first thing i got here is uh, every goth kid in the 90s is mourning right now as uh, Neil Gaiman and Amanda Palmer announced uh, they were getting a divorce. Although it sounded more like Amanda Palmer an- announced that they were getting a divorce and Neil Gaiman found out they were getting a divorce uh, via her Twitter and, I, and Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, yeah. it's Patreon. Uh, which is weird. You pay me $15 to find out whether we're getting divorced or not. <laughs> I, which I guess, you know, I like Neil Gaiman because I like, I like the Sandman. I liked American Gods. I liked uh, Good Omens. Yes, baby. So
0: I was a goth kid not in the 90s, but in the 2000s. <laughs> uh-huh. I guess I was more of an emo kid, but I guess I never really got into Neil Gaiman. Uh, uh, I I will admit I really liked Good Omens the TV show I thought it was really good
1: and uh, Amanda Palmer's it was in the Dresden Dolls was that it
0: I don't know sure uh, let's I, I believe that's right okay uh, I don't know be, uh,
1: I followed his more career more closely than she than hers
0: well I mean as you always remind me I apparently don't like female singers so that's true I that I that don't is know true.
1: <laughs> 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 but I guess he's gonna bounce back okay because they've got a big event coming out on Audible in July, where it's going to be an audio drama of The Sandman. They're actually going to be doing an audio version of The Sandman, and they've got a ton of big names for it. It's like James McAvoy is going to be playing uh, Morpheus, Dream, so the main character, and then Riz Ahmed is going to be the Corinthian. Kat Dennings is going to be Death. Every 90s got kid was Death, so... Yeah, well... Like she was her claim to fame is she was one of the posters uh in Becky's bedroom on Roseanne have you ever watched her bedroom because she was like the goth kid there was a poster of death in the background and it was in the early when Darlene was, Darlene oh shit. I always get <laughs> Becky and Darlene screwed up yes Darlene thank you baby we're, and we're even watching the Connors I know and I can't even remember it oh well. So then you got.
0: I bet you're really excited for this.
1: Yeah, wow. it's actually really because Taron Egerton is Johnny Constantine.
0: I don't really know shit about the Sandman, uh, so I really can't comment on that. Michael
1: Sheen is Lucifer. Andy Circus as Matthew the Raven. So that, yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to this. It'll be interesting. So, uh, yeah. So that it sounds like it'd be really cool. Okay. So.
0: So what else you got for us?
1: Uh, then the next thing, another thing that probably more interesting to me than it is to you is, uh, the season two of the Mandalorian on Disney plus.
0: I will wholeheartedly admit I didn't watch
1: season one. Right. I usually watched season one when you were, after you'd already fallen asleep.
0: Well, you know, it's not, it's, it's nothing against the show itself. Uh huh. I, I like Star Wars, but I have a really hard time figuring out if I like Star Wars for Star Wars or if I like Star Wars because it has Harrison Ford in it and I love Harrison Ford.
1: Yeah, because I can't tell that uh, your interest in Star Wars immediately plummeted after Force Awakens.
0: That's because Last Jedi sucked!
1: Well, so, with the with the casting news, it sounds like uh, you're going to have Rosario, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. But it's reported I don't know if they've super 100% confirmed it yet, but Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, uh, Tamara Morrison is going to uh, return to Star Wars, and he's going to play Boba Fett, and then there's rumors that he's also going to play Commander Rex, uh, one of the clone soldiers.
0: I will admit, though, uh, I do actually really like Pedro Pascal, who plays the Mandalorian. Yes. I feel like maybe at some point, like maybe closer to season two, maybe I might actually sit down and watch it.
1: it. It was a really good show. It's, uh, the, the episodes are standalone, but they do have, like, a common thread through each of them, and it's more like a Western than it is, like a sci-fi. But I think i mean, even also, the music's got the kind of the spaghetti Western kind of feel to it.
0: I'm also kind of burnt out on the whole Baby Yoda thing, so... No. I, and that kind of, I think, maybe took away from the show a little bit for me.
2: uh
0: Even, I mean... By the time we had even gotten Disney Plus, which I think was like what three or four episodes into, into the, the Mandalorian. show, yeah. like I was, everybody
1: was drowning in in, in uh, baby, Yoda. baby Yoda memes. Yes, yeah. so
0: I was just kind of, although I do still send you some of them. Yes,
1: you do <laughs> occasionally. And then, uh, another one that they just reported is Katie Sackoff is going to be uh, actually playing her character uh, from Clone Wars and Rebels. She's going to be Bo Katan, which is a Mandalorian. Uh, she was the leader of the Mandalorians by the end of Clone Wars and was kind of taking back over at the end of Rebels. So, spoilers for the Clone Wars series finale, which was not too long ago, too, which was super awesome. Uh, so, go watch that. if you, The four-part Siege of Mandalore, which was the last ending of uh, Season 7 for the Clone Wars, was stupendous. So, And then, uh, Timothy Oliphant just got really uh, announced yesterday and they have yet to tell what character he's going to be playing but so that's the big thing in Star Wars land right now okay and then finally just because I think this could be interesting in uh, Jim Gaffigan is going to be playing uh, disgraced Toronto mayor Rob Ford in a uh, limited series for AMC.
0: How did that man ever become the mayor of Toronto?
1: I mean, maybe the Canadians were too polite to say,
0: you know what? <laughs> Probably shouldn't do cocaine while you're our mayor.
1: Yeah. And and sleep with prostitutes.
0: You know, that's what you do.
1: Yeah. So
0: I mean at least he was open about it. Here yeah, in America, yeah. they just do it and try to hide it. So and, and,
1: well, but he did do the standard politician thing, which is once you get caught. You know, having an extramarital affair, you have your wife stand behind you, and you talk. at them. So, uh,
0: there would be none of that. I'm here to tell you. Yes, absolutely none of that.
1: I, I com- I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yes, maybe it's because the Canadians are much more understanding and are uh, very, uh, how that. would you say, pleasant. I love the Canadians. That they, they, they withstood that for a lot longer than anybody else would. <laughs> but the series is unnamed right now, but. Uh, so, lovers of Hot Pockets and cocaine, this is going to be the show for you because Jim Gaffigan is going to be playing Rob Ford. So.
0: <laughs> I don't know about cocaine, but I used to love Hot Pockets.
1: Well, every, I could tell you, baby, even, even though I, re- I actually like Jim Gaffigan's stand-up routine, mm-hmm. when uh, Beyond the Pale came out, everybody was quoting that freaking Hot Pocket uh, skit.
0: So, I guess now we can talk about what we've kind of been into lately. Sure. Uh, so, what have you been listening to, Tim?
1: Well, other than podcasts, which is mostly what I've been listening to, uh, I kind of got a hold of this later. It came out in 2019, and I think it was on Loudwire's Best in 2019 list. I think so, uh, is the Devin Townsend Project's uh, Empath, and I'm really digging it. Uh, it's prog metal, but it's also got a lot of New Age, it's got a lot of Electro, it's got a lot of... It, it just smashes a bunch of genres together, and it is all over the place, and it a good kind of all over the place, I think. And uh, so I am really digging it.
0: I liked one song you played for me, I think that actually kind of... I think I told you in the car, that kind of reminded me of... Uh, that Not Afraid song that uh,
1: Tobias, Forge Tobias Forge did, Forge did with, with uh, The Guy from Ramstein. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, but that other song you played me was fucking weird.
1: <laughs> oh. So the first song she's st- done, I think, was Evermore that yeah, I played. You. I really
0: like that. That that, was good.
1: that is a good song. And then I also played You Why, which is mostly instrumental. <laughs> it's weird. Well, it's not, I guess not instrumental. I guess. It's more symphonic, and there's no guitars and anything like that. It was just kind of...
0: It's weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now, the videos that go along with the songs are actually pretty good, too, that you can find on YouTube. So, so what have you been listening to, babe? Um,
0: oh, I've been listening to some podcasts, um, as you have, just finding some new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, uh, as last week, uh, last episode... I am also still listening to the new stuff that's gonna be coming out on Notes in a Conditional Form. Uh, the day we're recording this is Saturday. Notes on a Conditional Form comes out on
1: uh, Friday, and, it, and that's the nineteen seventy
0: five. Yeah, it's okay. the 1975's new album. Uh, they just released another single. I don't know why. Literally, they will be their new album comes out in. Less than a week, and they just rec- just released a new single on Thursday. Yeah, uh, called "Guys," which is essentially uh, Matty Healy's love letter to his band because it's just about how he wants to be in a band with
1: them. With the dudes, perpetually, just 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 a bunch of dudes, yeah. dueting it up.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: is, do you think it's also a play on the fact that they have a song on their? First album called, called girls? girls.
0: It could be. But Girls is very upbeat and very poppy. Uh-huh. Um, talking about, I guess, kind of how girls can be silly, especially young girls. Yeah. Uh-huh. And to not take advantage of them. And just this one's good. this one's more yeah. about um you know, just just your friends. I mean, mm-hmm. doing what you keep doing with your friends. Um that uh I really like. If you're too shy, let me know. That's it, mm-hmm. it's a really good song. Um, and then, so I'm interested to see what the new album will be. It's 22 tracks long, oh, wow. uh, so you know, well, you know, they're not very long tracks, true. Because um, 1975 songs are rarely long. I think the longest they had maybe maybe "Robbers" off their first album. I think it's like six minutes. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what these 22 tracks hold. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the vinyl record pre-ordered, so mm-hmm. I'll be getting that. And I also went ahead and ordered the CD off of amazon
1: so okay uh th- and i know you're also anticipating the 40th anniversary edition of permanent waves from rush i,
0: I am uh, i have a thing where i have been collecting the 40th anniversary editions that they've been releasing mm-hmm. um the only one i don't have is I don't have 2112 yep uh we do have a copy of 2112
1: but it's in the the crappy DigiPack. yeah,
0: and I don't like it. Uh, so at some point I'll, I'll get that. But I w- Permanent Waves is actually like the one Rush CD we don't have, which is weird.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So I, I plan on picking it up. It comes out the end of May. Yeah. So I plan on picking that up. Okay. Um. I mean, as you know, it's just it's the digitally remastered version of Permanent Waves, and then the two extra CDs are uh, live,
2: mm-hmm. or
0: the one extra CD is uh, live music okay. from uh, a concert from that tour is what they've been doing
1: so what else are you reading babe uh,
0: so last time I was reading
1: um, was it Disgrace? There entering Disgraced Land there we go which okay. was
0: which was fun and I found out actually the other day that there's a podcast that goes along with it so I, de- I uh, subscribed to it I haven't listened to it yet okay um, but, so, Disgraced Land was fun. I also read From the Cradle to the Stage, which is the book, uh, where Dave Grohl's mom goes around and interviews other celebrity moms.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the really nice thing is, is that in between each of those interviews, she gives little bits about Dave Grohl when he was a kid, but not just Dave Grohl. She also writes these little stories because, uh, I guess Kurt Cobain's mom wasn't really in the space to kind of... Give an give interview. An interview. That so sense. she wrote her own like experiences with Kurt Cobain too. So it was oh. actually really interesting, and That's it's good. not a very long book.
1: No, it didn't look very long. Really. No,
0: um, it's got some. It's got some interesting interviews, but it was good. Um, the new one I am reading is.
1: Uh, I got it wrote down here, babe. Uh, uh, start uh, the show won't go on know, the, the show, show won't,
0: won't go on. on which is about performers dying on stage which uh as you can <laughs> tell since i don't even know the name of the book uh i haven't started it yet but yep. it is sitting on the uh i'm sitting on my nightstand so okay what about you
1: uh right now for prose novels i am still uh digging through Tamson mirror's uh gideon the ninth which Started off really well, the first hundred pages. I was really into it, and now I'm about a hundred and eighty pages into it, and unfortunately, it is falling into the we're gonna make multiple uh, sequel traps. Instead of so you can tell, it's getting into this is the part one of a story trap, which is everything slows to a crawl. Because you can't have too much plot development in the first one, because then you'd actually tell a full and complete story, and then you don't have enough for additional sequels afterwards. This so is this is why I read. That's my bane of modern publishing, when it, especially in sci-fi and stuff like that, is that they're like, "No, why make one book and be a one and donener when you can make three books and have a series, or five or six books?"
0: This is why I read nonfiction.
1: Yeah, so I'm hoping it picks back up, but based on past experience, it's probably not. It's
0: going in the box, huh? Yeah,
1: m- more than likely. <laughs> and next, uh, instead, I've been reading a lot of comics. I've been stopping reading it and reading comics more. Uh, so I finished uh, not too long ago, uh, volume six of Harrow County. Uh, Harrow County is released from Dark Horse, and it is about uh, folklore um, in rural America. So it's a lot of witches, a lot of haints, a lot of uh, goblins and things like that living in the woods. So it's it's been really interesting, and I've been following along with it. And I, I think there's a couple more volumes that are currently out. I'm just up to volume six right now. Uh, then... I also got back into Greg Ruka's Lazarus series. Um, Picked up volume five and six of it not too long ago. Uh,
0: I think you had read volume five when we recorded the last one. Yes,
1: I was reading it at that time. And it, I really enjoy, it takes place in a future where family corporations control the world. And they have these uh, arbiters that are kind of... in. That they use to fight wars for them called Lazarus, Lazaruses, Lazarai—I don't, uh, however, you want to pronounce the uh, plural version of it. But in regard, regardless, they're nigh immortal, omnipotent—or not omnipotent—but they're superpowered beings that have been genetically altered in order to fight these wars for them. And so it's really neat because it's following forever, Carlyle. Who is slowly learning her history and her, her place in her family. And her place in the world. So, it's really good. Uh, and then finally, Volume 3 of Trees. Which, Trees... Uh, sounds weird on its face. Uh, so, essentially, uh, giant trees from outer space land on Earth. A, basically telling us that there is intelligent life out there, and they don't give a shit about us because they're giant trees, and so they're just siphoning the world of resources. And they've been here for years, and it's kind of just people dealing with the change in the socio-economic structure of the world now that we know the aliens exist, and there's nothing we can do about it because they don't care. Hey, Timmy. Yes, my love.
0: Is there unrest in the forest?
1: Yes, there's trouble <laughs> with the trees. Thank you. They're they're much too lofty, <laughs> and the humans are the ones that are are forming a union, making a noble law.
0: Um, I I know you had uh, the first and second volume of that from the time I had met you, but I also remember that I don't think you ever thought that there would be a volume three ever released because it took a long time for them to release the next
1: volume of it. Oh right there were there was actually there was completely there was years between volume two and volume three and so yeah it was one of those ones i had actually moved over in because where i have my weird catalogs it's called uh, cataloging system for my comics uh, i moved trees over into the dead series section instead of the ongoing series section because i never figured it'd be a volume three out and here we are now there's a volume three granted we're still slowly progressing the story, so I'm wondering if there's going to be another several year break before Volume 4 comes out, but we'll, we'll see. Well,
0: in your weird cataloging system is more so that I know what series you're into uh-huh. and know where to go from if I want to just pick you up something. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you watching?
1: Well, we... Well, we usually watch stuff together sometimes. uh, I mentioned before uh, the last season of Clone Wars for Star Wars, Uh, so really good. Everybody should go watch it. Uh, And then we've been watching together... Uh, We watched not too long ago the entire run of the new Hulu series, Solar Opposites, by the guys that made Rick and Morty.
0: I... I am gonna get shit for this, uh, and especially because Rick and Morty is one of the most toxic fandoms on the face of this planet.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I like Solar Opposites better. Well, more because the main character
2: mm-hmm.
0: is not is not like Rick. I mean, he has some of the same qualities,
1: yeah, but he's not, He's not actor. the
0: he's not the most problematic.
1: Well. It, that my I liked Solar Opposites, and I would probably say I liked it more than Rick and Morty because Rick and Morty has been getting bogged down in its own story for the last couple seasons.
0: I really love the first season of Rick and Morty, and every season since then for me has been diminishing returns.
1: Yeah, and I think it's because of that nihilism that kind of runs through. And Rick I, and Morty,
0: and I have a degree in philosophy, and I love and I like the nihilists, but there's just something about this show.
1: Yeah, and and I, not to take somebody's uh, uh previous essay on this, but I watch a, uh, a guy that does a. Uh, I'm trying to think of his name, but the name of his running uh, YouTube essay series is called Renegade Cut. and He did a story on the problem with Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. and he pointed out Rick is a, kind of sociopathic, he's a nihilist, he's, you know, all these different things. But he always comes out on top, even though in everything that we've seen before, a person like that would either learn their comeuppance at the end or learn a lesson or be the villain
0: well but in that he, re-
1: he comes out on top
0: in that regard it's more realistic but the problem yeah. is is that people like worship the ground he walks on yes and that's what the problem is
1: yes uh but, and uh, but
0: not to get too much into it right I really enjoyed solar opposites there was one episode that was needlessly sad
1: yes. Yes. Absolutely the,
0: uncalled for. Like, yes, the, the, it was the
1: penultimate episode. Yeah, it was
0: the episode, I think, before the last one. And, yeah. And, and it was... There it was, was a
1: scene s- in it that was uncalled for sadness. Yes. And, Absolutely and, uncalled for sadness. One part in it. And,
0: uh, but it's fun. It has good jokes. It's very self-aware. I would say if you... I would say if you like Rick and Morty, you'll probably like it. Uh I would also say if you didn't like Rick and Morty for some of the issues that we just talked about a couple minutes ago, you Mm -hmm. might like this. Yes. Because that's not as much the case in this episode. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. Uh, then we also watched a documentary movie uh, called Circus of Books.
0: Lot, lot of dicks. Yes. Lot more dicks than I was expecting <laughs> in that. I know it's on Netflix and I know it was rated MA. Uh-huh. I was kind of not expecting Def- them to actually show dicks. Yes.
1: Uh, so, for those of you who don't know, Circus of Books is a documentary on uh, a bookstore called Circus of Books in Los Angeles mm-hmm. uh, that is run by an elderly Jewish couple. Uh, and it was made by their daughter, it if was. I remember right. Yep. And it is about how their bookstore is not a bookstore per se. It is actually a gay porn shop. gay porn shop and it was one of the big places that kind of started this the equal rights movement yeah, they were, in Los Angeles. They were
0: very they were very in the middle of that, but they were also very in the middle of, you know, Pornography as an art form rather than something
1: to be shunned. Shunned. They and were also
0: more into... They talked
1: a lot about the pornography cases of the 1970s and 80s. Yes. Uh, where the Most Supreme... notably,
0: I mean, they even interviewed Larry Flynn in yeah. the, in this particular
1: documentary. documentary. Which, I didn't even know Larry Flynn was still alive. I thought he was honestly. dead. He
0: looks like he's been dead for 15 years. Yes. Um, but anyway, the other thing is it's very much in the... In the, you know, the homosexual world in the 1980s, I mean, it's very, it's very heavy in, you know, they talk about AIDS and about how, like, a lot of their employees died to AIDS. Right.
1: And they, and they, and a lot of their favorite customers and things like that.
0: And it's, it's. Also, really interesting to see because the mother had a really hard time accepting the fact that one of her sons was gay. Yes. So it kind of also delves into that how she can be open minded for everybody else, but had a really hard time accepting it personally. Yes. But then when she did, she's there. Her and her husband are very much into, you know, gay rights, and they do parades and all of yeah, this stuff.
1: It, the the ending of the show is them walking in the pr- local pride the parade. parade. It, with the uh, with the family members group, that... if
0: if you if you're not offended by the topic, of, like the the concept of what they mm-hmm. did, it's a very good documentary. Oh, it
1: was a really good documentary. I thought it was extremely interesting, and because you know they talk about all the pornography cases in law school and things like that, mm-hmm. and you know what's pornography? I'll know it if I see it. Right. That's the famous quote from the Supreme Court. Oh in regards to it. Um I thought
0: it was obscenity.
1: But yeah. Well, because that's what they're right. talking I, about I with know. The, with obscenity was pornography. But and then they and then they talk about Larry Flint and his bur- his virgining uh, rise to power in the smut industry and, <laughs> and getting shot and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, so it was it was a very good documentary. I really enjoyed it. It was good. But yeah. A lot of dicks. A
0: lot of dicks.
1: Uh, and that's, I think that's pretty much what we got on our list here, babe. Uh, not necessarily before?
0: watching, but uh, just as a side note, uh, you know, with it, with what's going on in the world right now, it's not the easiest to, like, go out and buy movies. I mean, yes. we order some stuff off of oh, Amazon, but I true. try not to order a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but two things I have ordered, uh, one we've both seen... One we haven't we, seen. We got our pinkies held yes, high. Yes, we have
1: to hold our pinkies up because we are about to talk about the Criterion, Criterion Collection.
0: So I picked up two of the newest releases that came out in April uh, from Criterion. Uh, I picked up Army of Shadows, which is a really good French film about uh, the French Resistance during and that's, World War II. And that's actually
1: a reissue for the Criterion Collection. Yeah. Right?
0: So the original one came out a while ago on Blu-ray, and it was very expensive. It was like ninety bucks. I almost at one point spent the ninety bucks to get a copy, oh. and I opted not to um thank you <laughs> you know whatever i bought you the star wars saga Yeah, that's it.
1: true i guess i can't say anything
0: um but it's a really good french film um it is in french with subtitles but it's really good about the french resistance during world war ii mm-hmm. um and then uh the other one we picked up is my favorite wes Anderson film oh yeah uh which is the grand budapest hotel the, the addition is gorgeous as as they normally as criterions usually are they're always very nice they always have a lot of special features in them um, and a lot of extra stuff they put in it the Grand Budapest hotel is no different uh, right now they're right now it's in the digi pack um, at some point they'll stop making the digi packs and put them in the slipcases but with the right. digi pack you get this really beautiful artwork
1: mm-hmm. the, really beautiful case the nice posters you, the you nice get booklets. really nice stuff Stuffed yes. inside of it. Yeah. So,
0: um, but if, I do not particularly like most things Wes Anderson does, especially his mm-hmm. early stuff, yeah. and, like, he also puts Bill Murray in everything, yeah. and I don't particularly care for Bill Murray. See,
1: I, I, I know Rushmore, I never really got into Rushmore. Never liked
0: Bottom Rockets either. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I feel like I would probably like the Darjeeling Limited.
1: Yeah, it looks like it could be good.
0: Um... Fantastic Mr. Fox was okay. Say, I like, I, Isle of Dogs I like, was really good. Yes. Um, Moonrise like, Kingdom was good.
1: I know I liked Mr., uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox more than you.
0: But if you can't get into Wes Anderson but you want to try, I would definitely recommend Grown Budapest. I think it's the most accessible of that, these films.
1: Yes, I would agree with it.
0: It's quirky. It's fun. It's kind of lighthearted but very dark at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I would highly recommend it's, it. It's got an
1: A-list cast. It's got a really
0: good cast. Uh, Ralph Fiennes is amazing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't particularly care for Bill Murray, but he's in it very little. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's good. The guy who played Zero, which is the bellhop, is really good. Mm-hmm. It's just a really good movie, and I would recommend it. Okay. Um So I think that's it. Um, are yeah. you ready, Timothy, to delve into our... Next topic.
1: Sure, let's go ahead and do that. So,
0: our main topic today is going to be the second half of what we call our Desert Island songs. Um, As I said a little bit ago in the podcast, the whole idea of this was that my husband can never tell me what his favorite songs are. Uh, So, I posed to him the question You're on a desert island, you can only listen to 10 songs for the rest of your life. What 10 songs would you pick and why? Uh, So, for the first half, we did our first five for each of us. This is going to be the last five on each of our lists.
1: And Sabrina, would you like to go first?
0: Sure. Um, So number six on my list is a band that we've already talked about. I had a really hard time picking one Rush song because there's so many of them. That I had a really hard time picking uh, one song by them. I almost put two other songs in this place um i thought about maybe subdivisions in this space because i really it's probably my favorite of their mainstream songs Uh it's probably my favorite subdivisions
1: this this song when we talked earlier back in part one about uh when neil peart died Mm -hmm. uh i played several songs for you Mm -hmm. Uh, we also watched uh the documentary time stand still, but before that, I played you some No, songs. it was after that. Was it after? It was after okay. that. It
0: was, like, the next day. Uh,
1: and I played just some... You know, just, I played a couple of their early, their early things that most people know, but then I started right. playing other things, like anime
0: and... I really like anime, by um, the
1: You know, some of their later things and...
0: The song that I picked is one of those songs. Yes. But we'll get there in a second. Yes. So anyway, I almost picked two other songs. I almost picked Subdivisions, which is mm-hmm. like my favorite, which was my favorite Rush song before what you just talked about. Yes. was My favorite was Subdivisions. So I almost picked that. Um, really good song. Mm-hmm. The other song I almost picked here was The Pass. Uh, the Pass is
1: really good. From
0: Presto. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pass is just, a, you know, it's a song that if I'm down, I can listen to and, you know... It, it makes me realize, you know, this this feeling's not going to last forever. So uh, where was that song when uh, I was an angsty teenager? The song that I ended up picking for this was Time Standstill." Still.
2: Mm.
0: Time Standstill" Still came out in 1987 on the album Hold Your Fire, uh, which... Hold Your Fire is really the Rush album that I think Rush kind of likes to forget that they made.
1: Well, I don't know if they'd like to forget they made it. I think it's just where it was deep into their 80s synth. Uh, which just... kind of started with moving pictures, and, it, and it, but it became more and more prevalent in to the point where Power Windows and Hold Your Fire are like almost kind of simultaneous together, but they had a lot of synth.
0: But with with Power Windows, though, you still have that heavy guitar. You still have the heavy guitar. Even though there's synth in it, if you watch them play it live, it's usually triggered because it usually has a bass line underneath. Right. Um, Hold Your Fire doesn't have that. Yes. Hold Your Fire, the guitars are very muted. Mm -hmm. The exception of, I'd say, maybe Force 10.
1: And I know in interviews and stuff, Alex Lifeson was saying, like, this was this time when i didn't know what i was doing in the band cuz i was just kind of there because you had neil on the drums and getty on the bass and then getty also filling in the melody or the the melody part that would be usually the the guitar with the synth right and although with time stand still you don't it there at least there, is guitar. There, there's not there's really any almost synth.
0: no. There's almost no keyboard in yes. Time Standstill. I mm-hmm. think there's very little.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The little breakdown before the chorus, I think, might yes. have a little bit. Mm-hmm. Although you know, when they play it live, it might just be Alex triggering the the yes. female. Yes. Um, you know, one thing I have noticed though about Hold Your Fire. For as much synth as it has, Hold Your Fire has some hella bass lines in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen to Prime Mover. like Mm -hmm. He is all over the place on Mm -hmm. that song. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, uh, time stands still. Uh, I know you said if I didn't put it on my list.
1: I I would have probably put it on my list, yes. Um, It's a very good Rush song.
0: Right. Uh, I think the last time, though, that uh, in at least in their live concerts that they played it, I think was time machine. I don't think they played it in the other two mm-hmm. after time machine. Um, but you know, it's about time moving fast, but you got to learn to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the opening line is turn my back to the wind hold, to catch my breath before I start off again, holding on without a moment to spend to pass the evening with a drink and a friend. You know they're, they're where they are in their careers, and I mean it is mind blowing to think. You know when this song came out, I think they were in their early thirties, early to mid thirties. They're they're in a successful band. They're never home. They seem to never mm. see their families. Right. Um, I think this is around the time though that, that they started slowing down mm-hmm. and started being home a little more. But you know they're never home. They never see their families, and they never see their families. They never see their friends. They you know they're not really enjoying life i mean they're enjoying they're enjoying playing they're enjoying being a band they're enjoying seeing their fans but they're not personally enjoying it and and they you know neil i think kind of realized in this song you know you you have to learn to enjoy it i mean the the last line of the song is um seasons pass nights growing colder children Mm -hmm. growing up old friends growing older Mm mm-hmm I mean, you know, it's that realization that, you know, while you're on the road doing what you love, you're also missing out on the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. You're missing your kids growing up. You're missing baseball games. You're missing right. soccer games. You're missing school pageants.
0: You're missing, you know, times with your friends. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just a... It's a beautiful song. Yeah. And I I love it. It's one of those songs every time it comes on, mm-hmm. you know, I crank it up and, and this sing is, along with it.
1: And this is the only song with a additional vocal? Yes. By somebody not from the band. That's Amy yes. Mann.
0: Amy Mann, which was it who she was in a band called Till Tuesday, I
2: think.
1: Yes. Is that right? I think so.
0: Um originally they actually wanted Cindy Lopper to be the singer, but I think they couldn't get it worked out in uh-huh. time. So that was who they ended up with. Uh, not, not, you know, not to just dis- take away from it. I mean, she does a really good job in those little bit of parts. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's just a great song. It's mm-hmm. got the weirdest music video on the face of the It planet. is a
1: very cheap 80s v- music video. Oh my God. It is just merely them standing in front of a green screen, moving Spinning around. Spinning around. Spinning around and yeah. It is... high tech shit in the 80s, baby. Yes. Oh my God. It, oh, they probably should have made it 3D. Holy cow! Getty Lee's mullet's coming right at me. <laughs> Hashtag sweet Canadian, Canadian mullet. mullet. <laughs> but um,
0: before we move on, going back a little bit to uh, Hold Your Fire, um, mm-hmm. you know, even though it's not one of the band's favorite, I mean, truth be told, it does have what a lot of people argue to be the worst rush song oh, ever Taishin. made in Taishan, yes. which yes. is like yep. Yep. almost the last song on this album. Mm-hmm. You also have. Uh, one of the best songs, which is Force 10, which is the first song on yeah, that
1: album. Yeah, and Force 10's a really good opener for the album.
0: And I really like Prime Mover, too. Yeah. But Rush always has this history of having really good opening tracks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, don't count out Hold Your Fire. It mm-hmm. has some really good stuff. It has some mediocre stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, But Time Stand Still is definitely a gem and I would definitely recommend it.
1: Oh, 100%. Uh, uh, and that kind of leads into my next song, babe, since... Okay. Uh, my next song is towards the end of Rush's career. Uh, actually, it's on their last album. It was the la- it was uh, one of the big songs off of the last album, Clockwork Angels. Uh, so Clockwork Angels re- was released in two thousand twelve.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think it was a, I don't think it was intended to be their last album. It I just ended so up being their last album.
0: I think I think when they finished R40, I don't necessarily know if they meant that to be the end of their career or yeah. if they just meant it to be the end of their touring career. Yes.
1: I, I honestly think that if Neil had not gotten sick, they would probably at least released at another least, album yeah. and maybe a couple one-off shows every now and then, like either... Say hey, we're gonna do. A sh- we're gonna be in Los Angeles. We're gonna do a short show here. I guess here. I read somewhere maybe go back to Cleveland.
0: I guess I read somewhere not too long after the end of R forty, they got mm. offered a uh, stint in Las Vegas. Oh okay. Uh, and I guess they turned it down.
1: Oh, well that makes sense.
0: But it wouldn't have been touring, so yeah, that's but true. Yeah, I guess they they turned down. A... But if
1: you're gonna be in like Vegas for eighteen months and have to do a show every night, it's almost essentially touring. That's true. <laughs> 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 kind of defeats the purpose of relaxing when you're gonna have to very true. So um but
0: and, and you want to kinda of, you and I kinda of disagree on this. Mm-hmm. You think that Cloud Cooking is a really good final album for them. Yes. It's and I'm not saying it's a bad album. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it doesn't feel like a final album. Say
1: like and that's true. I don't in any way think they intended it to be a this is our Swan song last album. But I feel like it at least encapsulates a lot of Rush's history and puts it into one final album and the song that I picked Headlong Flight Mm -hmm. I think synthesis just distills what is Rush into a six, seven minute long song it kind of you have loud bass, loud guitars, loud drums Uh, then it just Excuse me,
0: my Dexcom is going off telling me my blood sugar is high.
1: <laughs> it happens in at in, inopportune in times like that all the time. All the so, time. Um, because it and it changes uh, it changes uh, time signature it does all of the things that a Rush song regularly would do. And uh, the guys over at Something for Nothing podcast, because I just listened to it, uh, we're talking about Hemispheres, they even kind of point out that uh, one of the guitar riffs, if I remember right, kind of pops up from Cygnus X-1 Hemispheres in, well, Cygnus X-1 Book 2 Hemispheres. Thank you. Excuse me. I had to give out the full name <laughs> of the sl- But actually kind of pops up in Headlong Flight. And they also said it also popped up in, t- in uh uh Far Cry, so I'll have to go back and listen yep. to that too, and see if I can. Wait,
0: well, if it's the one, I think it is. It, it's actually in a lot of Rush songs mm-hmm. uh, because it's like uh, Alex's signature riff. Yes. So it's actually in a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. It's really noticeable in in Hemispheres. It's really noticeable in Far Cry, and it's it's really noticeable in Headlong Flight.
1: Yes. So for those of you that don't know, have, uh, Clockwork Angels was a concept album. It was the first time that Rush did a full honest to god concept album. They've done concepts before, but only for like songs or right. like half of their albums.
0: Right. So like 2112 is uh, 2112 as an album, the only part of it that is a concept is the first side which is the 2112. Yes. Um you have the Fountain of Lament with which is a concept song
1: on Caress of Steel, Steel. and then you have Cygnus X-1 mm-hmm. Book 1
0: the Voyage and Book 2, Hemispheres, which uh, the Cygnus suite together is one whole yeah.
1: concept. So you have the side B of Farewell World of Kings and side A of Hemispheres being right. technically one concept. And I
0: actually think somewhere you can actually get it as... It's a release called the Cygnus suite, which is both parts
1: mm-hmm. put, put together.
0: together. Huh. Um, and then... I mean, they even had some concepts going back to... Uh, fly by night you had uh by torn the snow dog mm-hmm. which is a concept right
1: and, well and then a lot of their songs are are telling a story within that song like with uh, red barchetta he's telling the entire story of a guy you know stealing a car in a world where you're not allowed to drive cars
0: or uh red sector a from grace under pressure which right. is the story of somebody in a
1: concentration in a camp yes yeah. so they they have done songs that are concepts, they have done whole halves of albums as a concept, but they've never done a full Honest to God concept out. And Clockwork Angels was that. It was a concept that was developed by Neil Peart, uh, and then later re- uh, made into a book by Neil Peart and Kevin J. Anderson, uh, noted sci-fi author that uh, has worked a lot. I know he's done a lot of uh, the Star Wars Expanded Universe mm-hmm. before Disney cast that out. Uh, He worked with Brian Herbert for a lot of the continuing Dune series after Frank Herbert died. Um, So he's a big name in science fiction, and he helped him kind of flesh out the world. And uh, I have both Clockwork Angels and Clockwork Lives, the sort of sequel, sort of side story to it. Uh, Both of them I really enjoyed. Then I got the comic editions of both of them as well. Uh, They released graphic novels later. Uh, And it's essentially a steampunk world where the watchmaker rules with an iron fist that kind of, that tells people how they're going to live their lives. And this one boy who is outside of his realm kind of goes off on his own adventures.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Uh, You also read uh, the book. Twenty one thirteen, which is a bunch of short stories based off of Rush songs.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And uh, spoiler alert. Yes. There will be spoilers. Yes. Uh, this the story twenty one thirteen, which is essentially the story of tw- is kind.
1: It's, it's so what so twenty one thirteen is twenty one twelve, right after it. So it's literally where. Attention, all planets the planet of the, the Solar, Solar Federation. Federation. We have assumed control. Is the opening words of the now and in the story and in the book, and It flashes back to the events of twenty one twelve to tell that story, and then it jumps back. And so forward.
0: in the song, you don't know who actually assumes control. Right. It could be the resistance fighters. It could mm-hmm. be the original.
1: The uh, people. The original race that
0: hid the guitar in or, the in the in cave. The, yes. Or it could be the uh, priests of the Temple of Syrinx. Syrinx
1: taking back control.
0: I always assumed it as the resistance fighters are assuming control.
1: Yep. Me and, personally. And, but in 2113, which is actually written by Kevin J. Anderson, uh-huh. who was the editor for 2113, The Collection, right. uh, it ends up being the original race coming back. That are the ones assuming control. And they
0: try to take, and they take, they take down the temple, temple of the, the priests of the temple it's of Sirius. Yes. And one of those priests escapes
1: through a wormhole. Yes. It's, so it's the, the high priest escapes through a wormhole. And again, spoilers, he ends up in another universe. And it's all these uh, medieval looking people. And there's people ravaging the lands and stuff like that. And then he says, "A new world to make into clockwork." Sent, so, in other words, the high priest from the temple from the temples of rings from twenty one twelve is it's the watchmaker. Uh, and he land because so he asked somebody. He goes, "What? What is the name of this world of this land?" And they said, "This is Albion," which is the name of the country that the watchmaker controls in uh, Clockwork Angels. So, yep. So there you go. It's all. Together, <laughs> but in in even in Clockwork Angels, it talks about like other dimensions and things like that. Because the garden actually, uh, the garden, which is the last song in Clockwork Angels, says starts with in, in this, this one, one of many, many possible worlds. Possible worlds. Uh, it so, didn't.
0: Didn't you tell me that in the book Clockwork Angels, right? Uh-huh. That the Rush songs are essentially each their own separate.
2: Yeah,
1: essentially each album is its kind of its own universe, and there are references to the songs in each of it, that are in the Clockwork Angel's story too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, the Watchmaker has a pet dog that's a Dalmatian, so it's, it's Signals. Yeah, or yeah, it's the one from Signals. Uh, then there's a a mountain range in the nearby uh, country of Atlantis mm-hmm. that has. Uh, that are that was named after two uh, ancient warriors known as Baitor and the Snow Dog. So it it has a lot of fun references like that.
0: But you, but you really like concept um so it absolutely yes. makes sense to me that Clockwork Angels mm-hmm. would be your favorite Rush album. right
1: but but even from outside of the the concept of Clockwork Angels, headlong flight's a really good song and it and, and it does kind of encapsulate their career. Because it's the story of the main character looking back on his life and his adventures on this airship which is, you know, because that comes from the lyrics here. I, I have stoked the fires on the big steel wheel steering my airship across the sky. So he he's kind of looking back on his life before he got on that airship and as in the adventures he's had on that as a crew member of the, of the ship. And he decides, even though there was bad times and good times, and there was a lot of bad times that interspersed those good times, he would still do everything all over again. All the So, oh, how I wish I could live it all again. Some days were dark. I wish I could live it all again. Some nights were bright. I wish I could live it all again. So, and I think it's even the band, and specifically Neil, saying, yeah, I went through some really bad times along with having really good times. Like, I'm sure the the guys touring, the guys getting a lot of accolades and fame was great, right. and I'm sure doing all those drugs back in the 70s to write Caress of Steel was probably a great idea at the time, which, you know, Caress of Steel being what it is, uh, was probably a good idea at the time, but there was also the bad times. You know, the finished product of Caress of Steel... <laughs> Almost tanking their career. Not only that, but, uh, but the all loss the loss of his his wife, wife and his, and his daughter, daughter. Very close in time in the 90s.
0: Which uh, almost put
1: an end to the band. Right. And, you know, all of those things. And yes, they're bad, but they make us who we are. And therefore, you got to have them in order to be where you're at now. And that's what the song encapsulates. Well, and I
0: think it's a song that, that really resonates to anybody. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't think I would change anything in my... I would not change anything in my past uh-huh. uh, because I wouldn't be where I am now. Yes, I wouldn't have you, my love.
1: Hmm.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: you know, the more I think about it, the more I kind of agree with you that, that Clockwork Angels is, is a good send-off. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last song on Clark Angels* is The Garden, and I think that that is the ultimate. I mean, if, if yes. that's going to be A Farewell from Rush, The mm-hmm. Garden is a really good song. Right. So,
1: that's my number six, baby.
0: Okay. Uh, so, to go to the exact polar opposite of the spectrum from uh, the, from the quintessential uh, prog band, uh, I am going to pick something from a uh, poppy kind of pop rock british kind of new wave kind of band um that would be the 1975 and i'm gonna go with uh she's american uh now she's american is off of their second album which is i like when you sleep for you are so beautiful yet so unaware of it came out in 2016
1: they so the 1975 is an extremely pretentious band at times
0: i know that's why i love them
1: yes (laughs) And that 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 album name completely sums it up right there. <laughs> yeah, because uh, isn't the isn't nineteen seventy five a reference to a Jack Kerouac?
0: So it's not a reference to Jack Kerouac. Uh, uh, I guess Matty Healy found a book one time. Uh, it was a Kerouac novel, but on the inside of it, it said something. Um, and when the person wrote the date, they wrote the 1975 uh, and that was eventually what became the,
1: the name of the band, name of the band. What can
0: I say? I I like Jack Kerouac. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but e- I, I really like the 1975 cause each of their albums are very different. Mm. Um, you have the first album, which is just called the 1975, which is very much just like a, a British pop punk kind of, not even punk, just a pop rock kind of, kind of album. I mean, it's got uh if you know the 1975 it's got chocolate it's got uh sex which is a great song um it's got girls which we discussed earlier uh which is a very um kind of poppy i love the video um the their second album is feels very much like an 80s throwback it's very kind of very kind of new wave kind of feeling it's got you know, you have "She's American," which is a very, right, very kind of fun song. It's yes. got the sound. I mean, that's the big song yes. off of that, and some would argue that's probably their biggest hit. That
1: was that's, that was probably the first song of the 1975 I ever heard was the sound.
0: Yeah, I really like the sound. It's very it's very catchy. Mm-hmm. Um, lyrics are very dark, and they kind of um, resonate to somebody with a with a bachelor's degree in philosophy. <laughs>
1: um Say, and now with "She's American." I. It is a very fun song. I will it give is. you that.
0: Um, with their third album, which is Notes on a Conditional... F- no, that's their fourth album. That's uh, forthcoming. Brief inquiry, yes. into on- okay. brief inquiry into Online Relationships. You can tell it was written in kind of a darker place. You can tell he wrote it while he was in rehab for a heroin addiction.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it's got it's got some heavy songs. Mm-hmm. Um I really like Give Yourself a Try. It's very, it's a very happy song, but if you Mm. listen to the lyrics, it's It's not. It's
1: not. Well, it's, and that's kind of like with, uh, uh, shoot. It's, it's not living if it's not with you. With you? Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: not living if it's not with you. You think it's about a relationship, but in reality, it's about somebody addicted to opioids.
1: Yeah, and he's, and he's trying his damnedest not to go back to
0: it. (laughs) Right. Um... You know, and, and on that one, you also have "Love It If We Made It," which is yeah. a very uh, political statement about yes. where I would say the world, but that's not the true. It's essentially about where we are here yeah. in the,
1: in the U.S. Yeah. yeah, which kind of leads into the American. She's or American. She's American. Yeah.
0: Right. So uh, she's American. Uh, it's a very poppy kind of sounding song. It's got a lot of synth. It's very. Happy until you get to the actual lyrics of it. Uh, you know.
1: Which seems to be kind of like the, the standard thing for a 1975 song. Right. It sounds very fun 90- and poppy until you read the lyrics. lyrics.
0: Uh, big Town, synthetic apparitions of not being lonely. Look, he's having a breakdown. Oh, what a letdown a shame. I think he might die. Now she's dancing, enthralling. I guess I gotta wait my turn. I said don't fall in love with the moment. She said I've got a lot to learn. Um, and I mean... You know, it's about this girl that, you know, everybody kind of wants, kind of wants. But you find out that deep down she's, you know, she's very insecure. She's not, she's not who she portrays herself to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of how, how, um, the whole she's American thing comes from the chorus. If she likes it because we just don't eat and we're so intelligent, she's American. If she says, I've got to fix my teeth, Then she's so American.
1: Which, you know, is the standard British stereotype is that they have bad teeth.
0: But just in general, I mean, it kind of, you know, pits towards shallowness. Yes. Um, Because
1: the only reason why she's liking them is because of superficial things.
0: Right. And that they have to change those superficial things to fit her. Fit her. Uh, Even the, though
1: the lyrics themselves kind of show that she's kind of superficial. The
0: second, ver- second verse is my favorite, though. Mm-hmm. Um, she's inducing sleep to avoid pain. I think she's got a gun divinely decreed and custom made. <laughs> um, she calls on the phone like the old days, expecting the world don't fall in love with the moment and think you fall in love with the girl. So when you get to the second verse, it's very much, um, you know, trying to realize, are you actually in love with her or are you in love with the idea? Yes um and you know it's probably more the idea uh but the pre-chorus before the second chorus is um there's no more water in the city be careful if you drowned uh you think you've got it figured out um which is just it's a metaphor you know you think you have your life figured out and then slowly you realize you're you're drowning in it Mm -hmm. um so but that that is very indicative he's right of the 1975 you get this really polished very happy kind of peppy sounding music and then when you get to the lyrics they're very dark they're depressing they're not what you would expect to go with the song but it all fits together really well
1: right and it and this song has a this this is one of the songs that they have that has the kickass saxophone solo in it too doesn't it It. Maybe I think it does. Maybe I know there were several on the second album that had kick-ass saxophone solos.
0: There was. Um, I will say this: uh, we saw the 1975 live uh-huh. uh, last year. Yeah. Um, y- uh huh. They were really good live. Oh
1: yeah, they were really good live. I'm not saying that.
0: And they but, played this song live, and it was.
1: It got amazing. the crowd really going.
0: I loved it. It was incredible.
1: No the the reason why I went uh huh is because. As we were walking into the... Uh, we saw them in Columbus, Ohio at uh, Express Live. Uh, it, they had so many people that they didn't have it in their usual inside or outside venue. They had it in their parking lot.
0: Well, because they, they had it as a festival kind yeah. of deal. It was weird.
1: And as I was standing... In, or as we got into the place and we were looking around... I realized I was probably, like, the 12th oldest person in that crowd. I think the only people that were older than me were uh, the dads and moms that had brought their teenage kids, and they were their chaperone for the night. And so here I am standing there. So I I rarely drank at concerts. Sabrina's usually the one that likes to get a little tipsy at the concerts. Uh, I actually had a drink that night because I needed something to, like, I'm being way... I was overly self conscious with myself and feeling my age, and I needed something to I, drown it out.
0: I am the designated
1: drinker. <laughs> so,
0: but um, if you haven't picked up the 1975, um, I would recommend their second album if you're going to pick anyone. It's
1: probably the most accessible.
0: I would I would agree with that. Uh, She's American's a really good song. Um, we talked about uh, the, sound the sound is a really good song. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else I know is probably your favorite yes album.
1: I would agree yes somebody else is a really good slow slow burn m- slow kind of a not really a breakup song but yeah it would be well, a breakup I mean, they, song I
0: mean they broke up they broke up before the song this yes. is just the guy trying, trying to, to, to accept get, the fact that she's moved on so, yes yeah um, but definitely I would definitely check out uh, the second album from the 1975 if you're gonna go with any of them okay uh, but that's my that's my number seven song
1: all right well, my number seven, uh, they are kind of a staple in the prog metal uh, circuit, and we saw them live last year, if I remember right. Uh, they were the second opener for Coheed and Cambria when we seen them at the Unheavenly Sky Tour. Well, I guess they, they they're... were they're co-headliner, co-headliner. Um, and they played uh, Crack the Sky in its entirety. Mm. Uh, And it's Mastodon. Uh, Now, Mastodon's one of those ones that's kind of divisive with people because they, when they first started, they were a lot more, a lot less radio friendly, a lot less mainstream metal. They had, I mean, their second album, I think, was a concept album, The Leviathan, which was about Moby Dick. So, not really something you could throw on the radio and have a. And have uh, hit the rock charts or something like that, but about halfway through, they switched to the I think it was the Hunter that they switched to having more mainstream songs, that radio-friendly songs. And I actually, I personally like the more radio-friendly stuff more. It's more accessible, and, yeah, and
0: they think it's less screamy, right? Yes, and you don't particularly care for
1: screaming, right? And I really dug their last full-length album, uh, which was *Emperor of Sand* from 2017. Uh, and the so the song I picked up, and again, the band uh, for uh, Mastodon is Troy Sanders, Brent Hines, Bill Killer, Killer, and Brand Daler. Um, and I picked it because or I picked *Steam Breather* off of it. It's a slow burn of a song. It starts off really creeping into it. Um, a lot of the songs that I've picked have an opening bass line. So this, this one, I, I really like bass. So Headlong Flight starts with a really good bass uh, mm-hmm. intro. Uh, a couple of the other songs that I have coming up have really good bass intros. Here, it starts off with a grinding bass As well Uh, that so you have the guitar playing over top of it but there are times where the guitar just goes out and you just hear the bass repeating the sequence over and over again and that mm, wonderful but steam breather essentially so emperor of sand is kind of telling a story and steam breather is about a, a person joining a cult essentially uh, running out scene running outside the Nazca lines, uh, which for those of you who don't know is the mysterious lines in Peru, uh, that make that were done by ancient Mesoamericans. But if you ever watch the History Channel, it was dim Aliens that made it.
0: Aliens. Yes.
1: And you know I see you all in white, hoping you'll grow the fruitful vines and a ray to give us life. Um so it's about a person joining a cult mm-hmm. and even the video which Mastodon makes really funny videos they don't take themselves seriously in their videos mm-hmm. like the, the music video for Show Yourself off of this album is literally death going around trying to kill them mm-hmm. and uh, he keeps killing people that kind of look like them but it's not them and his boss the boss death is ticked at death because he keeps killing the wrong people and uh, so in this one, it's like in the '70s, and it's uh, this guy with a big nose that makes them fall into a cult and liquefies their brains. Uh, but even then, you can kind of just off the superficial. Here's what here's a song about joining a cult. Mm-hmm. This, this song itself has a deeper meaning to it that I because when you are so driven on trying to reach something you can kind of lose yourself in trying to achieve that goal that you kind of forget why you're doing it in the first place and this song kind of gets that feeling the course i wonder who i am reflections offer nothing i wonder where i stand i'm afraid of myself the person's falling away from himself the person is so ingrained in what he has become he no longer recognizes himself and i feel like there are times where you yourself like i know i've kind of felt this before where you're thinking what what am i doing why am i doing this why why am i so different than what i was before
0: i have an existential life crisis about every week or so yes so i completely understand (laughs)
1: that
0: uh I, I will admit though I'm not a huge Mastodon fan. When we saw them on the Unheavenly Sky tour, I think I was getting drunk the whole time uh-huh. while they were playing. Yes.
1: When when Crack the Sky came when they started playing Crack the Sky in its entirety, I remember you stayed for like the first song and then you left and got came back with a drink, finished the drink, then left again, came back with two drinks. I got uh, two
0: hands, Tim. <laughs> I need two drinks
1: to go in those two hands. So but they played Steam Breather live then they too, did. and it was really good.
0: But I will admit, uh, Emperor of Sand is probably my favorite of theirs. Um, mm. I I like, if you find anything on my phone from Mastodon, it's probably going to be from... Emperor of Sand. Um, but they, so, were, they were really good live. So their
1: album before that One More Round the sun's also really yeah. good. I like it.
0: They're really good live. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing against them. They're just really not my type. Mm-hmm. So I just took that as an opportunity to get a little intoxicated instead. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: so that's my number seven, Marie. So what's what's your what's your next one?
0: All right. So uh, to carry on from that, uh, as Tim said, when we saw Mastodon, we saw them with and Cambria on the Unheavenly Sky tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Unheavenly part of that title is from. Uh, Coheed and Cambria's most recent album, which is Vaxis 1, The Unheavenly Creatures. Um, now, I knew Coheed and Cambria from right back when. I had, in keeping secret, Silent Earth 3.
1: Um, which, she likes to lord it over me that she, she was into Coheed and Cambria first, even though I was probably more into them than her. You but probably I didn't, still are. But I didn't get into them until uh, Good Apollo and Burning Star 4. Um, but... In Keeping Secrets is a really good album, though.
0: It is. Um, And I actually almost picked uh, In Keeping Secrets, Silent Earth, the song. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, But instead, I went with another one of those very punchy kind of...
1: Openers. Openers
0: that Mm -hmm. they have. Um, In Unheavenly Creatures, you have a a brief kind of instrumental opener Mm -hmm. on the album. Uh, but the, the song that I picked is number two off of Unheavenly Creatures, which if you if you have not listened to it, uh, Bax is one of the Unheavenly Creatures. This is an incredible album.
1: I, it was a really good, it was a very good return to form for Kobe. It
0: was, so the year that it came out, uh, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships and uh, Prequel. Prequel all came out. And that I would was... still say Unheavenly Creatures is my favorite album of that year. Um, but what I picked was The Dark Sensor. So, we saw Covey and Cambria twice. We saw them once before Unheavenly Creatures came out, and we mm-hmm. saw them in the uh, Unheavenly Sky tour last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked them better the second time, because they played a lot off of Unheavenly Creatures, which I really enjoy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Dark is great. Uh, the song after it is also really good, which is the title track, Unheavenly Creatures. Um, but Dark Sentencer, there's just something about it, man. I mean, you know, the the lights go down... And you hear that opening riff, mm-hmm. and then the curtain comes up, and there's the band, and they're just they're going at it. The crowd the is, is shouting, shouting
1: and throwing their fists in the air,
0: and it is just it,
1: it gets you pumped.
0: It does. Uh, so the the concept of the Dark Sentencer, I'll let Tim real quick uh, so, kind of tell you. All Coke and Cambry albums except for one, all fit into this uh, multi-branching story. Uh, called uh, of the Amory Wars, mm-hmm. uh, which focuses on something called the Keywork. Yes. So I'll let Tim the, kind of give a brief overview. The
1: band logo is the Keywork, and um, so the main story that was originally in the albums, from Second Stage Turbine Blade to uh, Year of the Black Rainbow of the Amory Wars, was the story of Coheed and Cambria and their son, Claudio Kilganan. And their battle against the Archmage Wilhelm. Then you have the Afterman or the Afterman, which is the story of Silas Amory discovering the key work. Uh, and the, thus his discovery kind of sets things in motions that cause the Amory Wars to occur.
0: Uh, speaking of uh, the Afterman, I also, actually almost picked a song off of that too. I almost picked Dark Side of Me too. Oh. It's a really <laughs> good song.
1: Those, those are probably my two favorite uh, *Cody and Cambria albums. Yeah, and of point.
0: course they are, because they are the two vinyls that are like $150 a
1: piece. Yes. So she can't get them for me. Right. Um, but Vaxxis is sort of a side story sort of sequel I think thing. it's a
0: sequel. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's I think it's a sequel. I mean, I think Claudio's already defeated, and you have this in this same universe you have a this kind
1: this. of they're kinda of pulling an avatar, there's a new crowing that's being reborn. Right.
0: And that is, is
1: Vaxxus. And Vaxxus is telling this story of how his parents met. So he's basically giving his origin story, but he's starting way back by telling his parents story first. And
0: his parents are Creature
1: the Creature and, and sister, sister Spider.
0: spider. Yeah. Um and he calls them the, the un- un-heavenly, unheavenly creatures. creatures.
1: So the song that's before the Dark Sentencer, which is mostly instrumental, is actually also a spoken word, mm-hmm. where it's them setting the stage uh, for the for the album, and it's Vaxus is the one speaking, right. and his parents are mercenaries slash criminals that have S- that. Uh, Sister Spider is believed killed by believed killed Mm -hmm. Uh, the creature leaves her during a botched job
0: right because he has to
1: and that's the story of Unheavenly that's being told in the song Unheavenly Creatures and the dark sentencer and you
0: eventually find out that she's not actually dead and they are reunited by the end of the album yes
1: because that's Uh, what Old Flames is about
0: right and I I, I guess that when they're reunited is when Vaxus happens
1: yeah maybe sure maybe
0: I mean we'll you, find never, out. you never really find out um, but the the opening of the dark now the dark sentencer is a prison planet
1: yes so the creature is eventually arrested and he goes to the dark sentencer and it's my understanding from the story that he partially got arrested because he got caught also because he wanted to get caught because be- he, 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 he found be- out she was, she was alive, still alive and, and in was, the dark
0: sentencer yes.
1: Um, and so the Dark Sentencer song kind of encapsulates the feeling of being in the right. prison. So go ahead. Uh,
0: but the opening, the opening words to, to continue off from the spoken word song before mm-hmm. it, the the first words that you hear in the Dark Sentencer is it begins with them but ends with me. Their, their son, son Vaxus. And then and then it just starts into that killer fucking riff, mm-hmm. and you know everybody chanting out in the the crowd and you just get this feeling from it and it's it is really good um um here emotions behold you enter the hell where the devil is made of gold please don't run your mouth the questions before have no place in this haunted hells. reveal your selfish pleasure one more time round for good measure in the answers you hold time would be better off if our souls had been sold um, so it just kind of this song kind of encapsulates the the feeling of you know being arrested and being sent to that to that prison planet where you don't feel like you're ever gonna get out. And yeah, you don't feel like you should really be there to begin with. No, you know what I
1: mean? Yeah, there's no there's... here where the
0: light only dies to remember, in the place where the blind truly can see. Hear my voice, dearly departed. I beg on my knees. It's been my pleasure to ser- to serve your disease.
1: Mm-hmm. So. This song is great live. It's and then, an amazing And live. they usually followed it up with In Keeping Secret Silent Earth, which is no, awesome. No,
0: no, no. So when we saw them, I yeah. think it went from Dark Sentencer straight into Unheavenly Creatures because I, I the two songs actually
1: mesh into mesh each, each other.
0: Into each other. Yes. Um, like, Dark Sentencer ends and immediately Unheavenly Creature begins. And Dark Sentencer ends with kind of the same melody that starts Unheavenly Creatures. Right. So I think which, they would do that. Which is
1: another trope in *Coheed and Cambria albums is that they like to use an overarching rhythm or
2: mm-hmm.
1: or chord in their songs to kind of show that there's a linear story going on between the songs.
0: Um, but So this is amazing live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know you have he's right you have In Keeping the mm-hmm. Sign of the Earth which is another song I mean at a certain point Claudio just stops singing
1: and everybody and just screams, screams man, man your own man, your jackhammer. jackhammer.
0: Yeah. and it it is an experience to have Um, but my favorite part of this song is probably towards the middle when things uh, when it kind of has the breakdown it's a shame I fear from end to start we walk the lines born to play the fucking part Um, you know it's just kind of with that line you kind of feel like you were destined to be there there was no way to get out of that rut Um, but from beginning to end, Unheavenly Creatures is a hell of an album, um, and I would highly recommend it. It is it is a really good album, and Cody and Cambria is actually really good live. They're one of the few bands that we're going to talk about here that they have seen live. Mm. Um, we've seen them, 1975. I've seen another band I'm going to talk about here a little bit live, mm. uh, and I've seen Sticks. And
1: then we already talked about Ghost in the we first saw, episode. Yeah,
0: we saw Ghost live. Um, unfortunately, we never got to see Rush. Uh, yeah. It would be the great... Uh, the, uh, the one that... The know. one that got away. Exactly. So. Uh, at some point, I will see the Eagles, or at least Don Henley, before one of us dies. Um, but what is your next song?
1: So, since you decided to start with Coheed and Cambria, babe, I will continue with Coheed and Cambria, and I will pick one of their songs. So, like I said before, uh, so my first album that I had of Coheed and Cambria was Good Apollo and Burning Star 4, and...
0: But I only listened to like three songs on yeah. the Keeping Secret Earth. I <laughs> yeah. bought it for a favorite right. Atlantic. Well, and
1: I yeah. and I got burning. I got good Apollo for Welcome Home. It was the, the that was the song that I heard and I thought, oh, that's really good. And so then I bought the album. The whole album I liked, but it was it had already been out for a while.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so the first one that I bought. In anticipation of it coming out, mm-hmm. was the next album, which was "Good Apollo," "I'm Burning Star for Volume 2, "No World for Tomorrow," which was the final s- chapter of the
0: Amory Wars. of the
1: Amory Wars, dealing with Claudio and his fight against the Archmage Wilhelm. Wow. And the my favorite song. It's a really good song. It's probably their most prog album. There's a there's actually in a couple of their songs, you could tell me that Alex Lifeson was doing the guitar solo, and I would say yeah, that sounds right because that's how it sounded. Mm-hmm. It's, they were very Prague influenced, which and, is
0: weird because I know in interviews they said that they were never like big Rush fans yes. until they started getting compared to them. Yes, which it, was which would have been after uh, Second Stage Turbine Blade, yeah. which is their first album, and
1: because they the secret. The secret song at the end of uh, In Keeping Secret, Silent Earth Three, is called Twenty One Thirteen.
2: Right,
0: which so. has nothing to do with the band, other than I think the song, the title is just a it's just an homage.
1: Yes, and it's a, like a nine minute long song. Yeah, but anywho, uh, so I my favorite song off of No World for Tomorrow would be Grave Makers and Gunslingers, which is take in the story. It is taking place. Uh, as the final battle against the Archmage is happening. So they've crash-landed on the on the world, and they are storming the House Atlantic, which is the same mm-hmm. from favor of House Atlantic from In Keeping C- Secrets, Silence 3.
0: if anybody knows, a Coheed and Cambria song it is probably a favor of House yes, Atlantic. Right.
1: Yeah, that was like their big hit off of that album. And... So they're storming it. And again, for those who don't know, the members of uh, Coheed and Cambria are Claudio Sanchez, who's the lyricist, guitarist, and... Dude mm, with the big, poofy hair. Yeah, dude with big, poofy hair. Uh, Then there's Josh Eppard, Travis Stever, and Zach Cooper. Josh Eppard, if I remember right, is the other original member. I
0: think so.
1: Um, So, like I said, it's part of the final battle of the Amory Wars is this album nearing the end of the story and you can just the characters had gone through so much by this point that you can just feel it when you're reading the lyrics of that and it's also just a really good like it's a fast tempo in your face song and the breakdown in the middle of it's really good but the key here is just just give it the push while I kickstart then the other voice can. there's just no time for this come on it's just the hurt I'm looking for I don't want to live no more you've got the gun I've got the bullets don't want to live no more oh baby my lover go on and pull that pull that trigger so it's it's a in your face braggadocio kind of deal that's going on where they are gonna end this fight one way or the other so you just got to bring it. And it's one of those bring it songs. Like right. you could feel it. You could feel it like in a fight scene in a movie. Mm-hmm. Which you know, essentially that's what it's made to be. It this is like the the third act fight between the main villain and the and the main character in like an action movie or something like that. In because of that driving feeling to it. That's why I really dig it. So that's mine bit.
0: Okay. Um you know, like I said, Koki Cambria is probably one of our favorites. Yep. Uh, between the both of us. I mean, mm-hmm. we named our dog Atlas. Yes. After the song, so. Mm-hmm. Um, which is off of the one album.
1: That is not in the Amory War saga, which is uh, Color Before the Sun.
0: Yeah, if I would have known uh, uh, From Here to Mars, uh, that song would have been the song we danced through at our wedding.
1: Yep. Instead. It, I mean,
0: and, and I'm happy, you know, we picked In My Life by the Beatles, but I probably would have picked... Uh,
1: it's going kind to of become our de facto song.
0: It is. <laughs> it's a really good song. So. All right. Uh, so, number nine is going to be a song from the other band that I have seen live. Okay. Um, it is from. Uh, it is Death Leopard. I saw Death Leopard live with R.E.O. Speedwagon and Styx. Uh, Timothy, would you like to tell uh, anybody that's going to listen to this the fun little story about your parents and REO Speedwagon?
1: Uh, so REO Speedwagon is, it's one of my it's one of uh, my father's favorite bands. He likes
0: he likes their earlier stuff though, yes. right? The more yes, the more rock Rocky, Yes,
1: yeah. The, the, the closer it got to like the eighties, mm-hmm. he less he got out of them. He like his song his favorite songs. I can't remember the number, but Riverside Avenue.
0: It's from, uh, and he also really likes, uh, you can tune a piano, piano, but you can't tune a
1: fish. fish. I think just because he loves the pun. Shocking. Yeah. And meanwhile, my mom loves her some Ario Speedwagon. It's her she, favorite band. It's, it, it, yeah, it is her favorite band. And she loves their ballads and everything. But it dad has seen Ario Speedwagon a couple times live. I think so and he, mom has seen them zero times live and it <laughs> is a big if you want to start an argument between my mother and father my mother still to this day resents the fact that my dad did not take her to a an ario Speedwagon concert not only
0: did he not take her He went while she was was working? Yes. Oh. Yes,
1: he went while she was working, and to this day, she resents it.
0: Oh, you want to get her wound up. Just just mention that.
1: Yes. (laughs) So, uh... He yeah. went with
0: his friends to see R.E.S.B. wagon while your mother was at work. <laughs> oh, and she, like, still to this day, he's not kidding. Like, if you want to get her wound up, just mention that. <laughs> R.E.S.B. wagon, by the way, was actually a really good live. Sticks, uh, which was Sticks after Dennis Young was no longer in the band, really kind of swooped. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, you know, whatever.
1: Uh, but they were with Death Leopard. But they were with Death, Death Leopard. Leopard, excuse me.
0: Yep, they were with Def Leppard. Uh, but the song I picked is not one of like their mainstream songs. It's not a song you would expect uh, to be picked. It is off of uh, their biggest album, which is Hysteria, which is from 1987. Uh, but the song I picked off of this album is Gods of War. Um, I remember at one time on VH1 Classic watching uh, the classic albums for Hysteria, uh, which classic albums used to be a series on VH1 Classics. Excuse me, where they would talk to members of the band about, you know, a a famous album. Mm -hmm. They did uh, Number of the Beast by uh, Iron Maiden. Maiden. They did 2112 and Moving Pictures. They did uh, Paranoid by Black Sabbath. They also did Hysteria because Hysteria was a big album. It did have seven singles on it. Uh, Gods of War was not one of them. uh, But when they got to this particular song, I remember Joe Elliott, who is the lead singer of Death Leopard, Say that it is the man on the streets' view of war. Um, you know, feeling like it's over, feeling like there's no love, feeling like it's not easy. Um, at one point, the line is uh, the damage is done. Um, but the chorus of the song is, "We're fighting for the gods of war, but what the hell are we fighting for?" Which I think is a which I think is a view that a lot of people have. I mean, you know. Whether you join the military, or you get drafted in the military, and it, probably more the second one than anything. You know, you're, you're pulled into this war machine, and you're fighting for, you're fighting for your country, but more than anything, you're fighting because these bigwigs can't seem to get along. So you're fighting, and they're the gods of war, and you're fighting for them, but but what are you fighting for?
1: I think we mentioned war pigs at the beginning in the first episode when I was talking about Snowblind Band. Yeah, the... yeah. it kind of comes from the same kind of sense from the Cold War that it was really more the upper people that were pushing the war, you know, pushing the standoff and not really the people on the ground who really gave a crap.
0: Right. Um, there's a... uh... There's a song, it's a pseudo country song to kind of bring this all together, um, called Copperhead Road. Mm. That at the end of the song, um, the guy talks about. Um, I think it's I volunteered for the army on my birthday. They uh, draft the white trash first around here, anyway. Uh, so it's kind of that whole idea. Um, you know, you you join this, but why? But this is also very much a commentary of the Cold War. I mean, this is made in nineteen eighty seven um, and actually, I think if if I remember correctly on the album, at the end of the song, there is a clip from there's a clip of a quote from Ronald Reagan. I don't remember what the quote is, but there is a clip of a quote from Ronald Reagan at the end of this.
2: Mm.
0: So I mean, and I think I mentioned. Earlier uh, in the first episode, when I talked about "Show Me the Way" from Sticks, which is a song I picked from them,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: there is a version called the Golf War Edit, mm-hmm. um, where they incorporate like other snippets of stuff from, you know, radio and TV from that time. I think if I remember correctly, there is also a version of that for this song. No, oh, okay. Um, but you know, Death Leopard. You know, you, you think of, this is the same album with Pour Some Sugar On Me, you know? Mm. So you have one extreme <laughs> to the next. So you have right. the Stripper National Anthem. Right. And then you have this
1: contemplative
0: Cold War song. Mm. Um, just goes to show you range. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I would, it's, it's a great song. It really is. Uh, I mean, I know your favorite Def Leppard song is "Photograph," which uh, yeah, off of "Pyromania," Pyromania, which which is really. I
1: personally like "Pyromania" more than "Hysteria."
0: I like "Hysteria," and actually, I like I like an album from the '90s more than both of them. (laughs) I am actually in that weird group of people that I actually really like Uh, Def Leppard in like '96 out a pseudo i don't want to say grunge but it was definitely sounded like nothing else def leppard ever did uh-huh. uh called slang and i actually really like that album <laughs> uh i would highly recommend that one mm-hmm. but um you know hysteria is the album everybody knows but God, but gods of war is a song that i don't think a lot of people do um, right so it's
1: it, w- it wasn't a single
0: was it, it was not right. uh they had seven singles off of pyromania they had women rocket animal pour some sugar on me hysteria And Armageddon it. Uh, But, you know, if you're going to sit down and listen to Hysteria, this is definitely not one to skip. This is Mm. a really, really good song. Now, they did play it live on this tour, and the live version is also very good. Oh, okay. Um, But that is my number nine.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, My number nine Mm -hmm. uh, is from, I know this is going to shock you, babe, Another prog metal band. What? No way! <laughs> I know. This one's a little less known. Uh, this band's uh, called is named Redemption. And in a way, it's kind of a super group. It's from de- several different other prog metal bands that, that uh, the guys joined together and made this other one. I think like the lead singer of Fate's Warning is on it and things like that. Um, but...
0: Uh, Real quick, correct me if I'm wrong But from the first episode You mentioned that they did a cover Of one of the songs I mentioned in that episode Correct?
1: Yes, yes they did Uh, They did uh, Love Rain Over Me And and it was on uh, One of their most recent albums That they did that But the one I want to talk about I got into Redemption with um, Origins of Ruin Which was one of the I think it was 2007 maybe that That one came out But the next album after that was probably their best album, which was Snowfall on Judgment Day, which was from 2009. He he
0: did? Yes. Uh, I graduated from high school in 2009. Thank
1: you, Sabrina. (laughs) I really needed to know that information. Thank you. You're
0: welcome.
1: be reminded of it. So uh, that album had a lot of really good songs. And it also has the typical uh, 11-minute closer. Which I know you enjoy, Sabrina. When they when there's a song longer than five minutes, I
0: don't have an attention span for a song that's longer than six minutes.
1: Which is weird, cause there are a lot of Rush songs over six minutes.
0: Yeah, blank out halfway through. It's fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so the one I picked off of uh, off of Snowfall on Judgment Day, um, is Walls. There's a lot of good songs on that album. Uh, if I remember right, one of the one of the guys' daughters was dealing with a um, major illness at the time, and they wrote a song about that on it. Um,
0: is that the album that comes with the bonus?
1: No, that's that's okay. the next album. Oh, okay. When one of the guys of the band actually got diagnosed with cancer, and so that album is a, a k- kind of a concept album of him starting his process. With finding out he was diagnosed with cancer to to recovery, Mm -hmm. Uh, in the last song it is really good because it reprises all the songs on the album, Mm -hmm. and it keeps repeating over and over again. And I'm stronger than death, but we're here to talk about this one. Uh, So walls is essentially a collapsing and failing relationship, but you're still together. And you're still together, so you're the relationship is collapsing because of miscommunication,
0: um, as most of them do.
1: Yes, is that the the two members of the relationship cannot communicate with one another. That's and why so, we
0: have a podcast. Yes,
1: and so then they start fall and things just start falling apart. But you stay together because kind of out of spite for each other, or in a sense that one day the other person's gonna figure out how to talk to me (laughs) they're gonna figure out their problem and then this is all gonna fix itself and so that waiting that comes from that that's this song the first part of the song the first uh, set of lyrics starts with 15 hours i've been staring at these walls waiting for the call that never comes after the course it starts the next set of lyrics 15 months I've been staring at the wall, waiting for the day that never comes. After the next course and the bridge, you come back into the lyrics. Fifteen years I've been trapped behind this wall, waiting for the change that never comes. And the, so, the ly- so the wall is obviously the wall that you're putting up between yourselves. Because of your lack of communication and you're closing each other off from each other. Every day you build the wall and I'm trying to break through. Brick by brick, I'll tear it down until I reach the other side of you. You've made us prisoners and I'm trying to set us free. But the final stones between us could be the very ones placed there by me. So the course is like the the this one person in the relationship is trying to save the relationship. But in a way, you can kind of see that there's... The person's blaming the other person in a relationship? Because it's saying, I'm. Every day you build that wall, I'm the one trying to break through. I'm the one trying to get to the other side. You've made us prisoners. But then at the end, he realizes the final stones between us could be the very ones placed there by me. Mm-hmm. So he's realizing, shit, maybe I'm the one blaming this. Maybe I'm just as. It, culpable with the collapse of this relationship as you. As the other person. And that's kind of in the bridge. Did you build it just to see who cared enough to try to tear it down? In other words, you made the wall because you wanted to see if that other person would actually care enough to do anything about it. And the last lyric in the song before it goes back into the chorus is... Still, I try to open up the door. So he's still trying to save the relationship. Even after all of this. But it's been oh so long, I can't recall the other side anymore. So he doesn't even know if he remembers the person on the other side. Or he, if he even remembers himself. So it, it's, a, it's it's probably the most radio-friendly song off of Snowfall on Day. I think it, it comes in somewhere between six to seven minutes it's probably the shortest song on the album <laughs> and it just that storytelling in it mm-hmm. that the it, these that it's a relationship where these two people are fighting and the in the one person slowly realizing maybe i'm just as much of a problem as the other person and then realizing do i really want to go on the other side do i really want to save this relationship and it's kind of deep. I really like it because that, and it starts off with a kick-ass bass line. <laughs> I told you, most of my songs have a kick-ass bass line in it, and this one does. It there's uh, when this song came out, uh, the bassist for the band actually released a video of just him playing the bass line for this album, and it is crazy. Or just for just this wall, just this song, the wall, yeah. and. It is, he is, it's insane. He is all over that bass playing this song. And it is, you can hear it extremely well through the entire song.
0: Um, I don't know a lot of Redemption's own songs. Yes. Uh, because as he said, they're like eight minutes long and I don't have that kind of attention span.
2: Uh-huh.
0: I don't watch two and a half hour long movies. I don't listen to s- seven minute songs. <laughs> uh, but... They make really good covers.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, there is, they made a cover of uh, Toto's Hold the Line that I would argue is better than the original version Say so that they,
1: That one was a good one. Um, what was some of the other ones? Uh, uh, they did Elton John. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love Lies Bleeding. They did it. It. It's a really... And Funeral for a, a friend. friend. That yep. was the other one, the first part of it. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did Love Raina Omi. Uh, then they did a U2 cover on their most recent album.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, that was really, really good. So they do a lot of good covers.
0: So if you want to try to get into them to kind of get an idea, I would recommend maybe trying their covers. Yes. And then kind of going from there. Yes. Um, but they make really good covers.
1: Yep. (laughs) All right. So that's, that's my number nine, dude.
0: All right, so my last song, I had a different song on this list, but I'm going to go with something different. Um, To kind of come full circle, uh, my first song was Wasted Time by the Eagles. My last song is going to be The End of the Innocence by Don Henley. I love Don Henley. I could listen to that man sing the phone book, and I'd buy it on vinyl four times. Um, The End of the Innocence was the final album that Don Henley put out, solo before the eagles got back together in 95 um it is the title song off of an album that is very much of its time i mean where it's written in you know there's a song called new york minute there's uh last Worthless evening um part of the matter it's it's very it's a very mellow album uh but it's very reflective Um, but the song End of the Innocence, I think, marks the end of the 80s very well. This album came out in 1989. Um, but the song is just a, it's about a loss of different kinds of innocence. It's about the loss of childhood innocence. It's about, the music video is about, uh, mentions the loss of of sexual innocence, it mentioned in, in really the songs about the loss of uh, just innocence in the country. This song is very much a dig at Ronald Reagan throughout the whole thing. Uh, you can definitely notice it though. Um, one of the lines in the second chorus in the second verse is. Um, beating plowshares into swords for this tired old man we elected king. But the song is very reflective, I think, of where Don Henley was at the time. Uh, so the, the first verse is, Remember when the days were long and rolled beneath a deep blue sky? Didn't have a care in the world with mommy and daddy standing by. But happily ever after fails. We've been poisoned by these fairy tales. The lawyers dwell on small details since daddy had to fly. Hmm. Um, and then the end of the second so the second chorus, is, second verse is, "Oh, beautiful, four spacious skies, but now the skies are threatening. They're beating plowshares into swords. For This tired old man we elected king, armchair warriors often fail. Hmm. We've been poisoned by these fairy tales, and lawyers clean up all details since daddy had to lie.
1: Is, and it, I'm assuming daddy is probably also."
0: I'm assuming that that is also, also a ra- dig, uh, yes.
1: Because it sounds like it's talking about the Iranian Contra scandal.
0: Yes. Okay. So, Daddy had to fly, then Daddy had to lie. Yep. You know, so in, <clears throat> armchair warriors often fail. Yeah. I mean, we're that's still shit we did we deal with now.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, and even worse now with social media, where everybody's oh, yes. sitting behind their computer saying. This is how I would have done it. Well, you didn't do it because you're too busy behind your computer. I say in our podcast where we're sitting behind <laughs> our computers as we record it. Um, so, and Don Henley's got a very, a very approachable voice, I he guess would be a nice way to say. It. He does. Because Boys of Summer is really good. Uh, a lot of his solo stuff's really good.
0: Listen to anything from the Eagles that he sang. Yeah. I mean, Desperado. Hotel mm. California. One of these nights.
1: I th- and I. Th- uh, uh, I th- I think we mentioned in when we talked about uh, waste of time. I mentioned my favorite, uh, eagle song, which is Victims of Love. Vic- victim of Love. Yeah, Victim of Love. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but this song really, I mean, Don Henley is a staunch, Southern Demo- true uh, Democrat. Yeah. And uh, you can tell it in this song. I mean, this song is just a total dig at the 1980s Republican Party. (laughs) Truth be told, I mean, the tired old man that we elected king could really apply to either Ronald Reagan or president at the time that this album came out, which was George Bush. Yeah. Um, But the the final verse of this is, who knows how long this will last? Now we've come so far so fast. Somewhere back there in the dust, that same small town in each of us. I need to remember this, so baby, give me just one kiss and take a long last look before we say goodbye. Um, which I think kind of encapsulates, hopefully, moving on from you know the way things used to be to the world and the way we are now. Um, but I just think this is a—I think this is a beautiful song. Uh, actually, in my uh, freshman English class, I mm. had to write a uh what was called uh text and context mm. and we could pick a song or a book or a poem or anything like that and I actually picked the song and I wrote uh, my essay on this so um but yeah uh there's a lot of double meaning i mean you can read it as this idea of losing the innocence of a, of a child growing up
2: mm.
0: but in a way it's also the loss of the innocence of our country growing up mm. And, you know, where we were then, look where we are now. Yeah. Um, but I would say if you're going to pick a Don Henley album, I would go with his second album, which is Building the Perfect Beast, which is the one with uh, uh, Boys of Summer on it. Mm. Uh, but End of the Innocence is still a really good album. Okay. Um, and this is a really good song.
1: Okay. Well, uh, my last song... I... I I don't know if... This song, I think I just kind of picked because I wanted to pick a song for this band. Uh, And I didn't want to pick one off of their big album. Uh, So the last band that I... The song I picked was Hypnotized from System of a Down. And I wanted to pick something from System of a Down. System uh, kind of gets lumped unfairly because it came out at the same time as the new metal craze in the early 2000s. And they kind of get lumped in unfairly with like Limp Biscuit and stuff like that. Even though System was a way more intelligent and thoughtful band. They thought, they thought about their lyrics. They thought about their compositions. Their songs are really well arranged. And... Their best album, everybody, anybody in the metal community agrees, their best album was Toxicity, their second album. So, you would think I'd pick something off that. That's the one with their biggest song, like Chop Suey. Aerials really, is the closer for Toxicity. I'm Those really surprised she
0: didn't pick something from Toxicity. Uh-huh. I don't particularly care for System of a Down. But uh-huh. if I would have. I'd have probably picked Aerials off that album.
1: Yeah. So, but I wanted to pick something that was a little on less on the road, less traveled for System. So, I went with their final double album that they did before they broke up, which was Mesmerize and Hypnotize. And I chose Hypnotize, uh, which is from Hypnotize. And it was released in 2005. So, I was still a young teenager, disaffected youth when it came out.
0: Such a disaffected youth. Yes.
1: And um, so, it's about, especially, this is, you know, young Timmy high school years, going into college, getting ready to go into college. His eyes are open, man. And like, this was depths of the Bush administration, Bush, second Bush administration. And so like, government's controlling you, man. And that's what Hypnotize is about, is about uh, the government control of the media and what is presented to you, of the information presented to you. So propaganda to kind of make you more docile and accepting to what's going on around you, and so um, the first w- words in the core or in the lyrics, excuse me, is "Why don't you ask the kids at Tiananmen Square was fashion the reason why they were there?" And I kind of take that two ways, meaning here in America we sometimes get an overblown opinion of ourselves when we're when we have an opinion on something and i think the new term for it is called slacktivism where you like to argue about it on your on your computer but you don't actually want to go out there and make that change um meanwhile you had the youth in early 90s china who literally went out and marched and, and to the point that the government had to put them down.
0: Right, and in and, some and, cases died for what they yes, with were the,
1: fighting for. Yes, with the Tiananmen Square uh, incident.
0: Well, and you had, I mean, and, not so much now, but back before uh, you had that here in America. I mm-hmm. mean, we just came up on the uh, 50th anniversary
1: of, of the Kent State see, Massacre. Yes, it ju- not too long ago. And... Um, so the thing is, was fashion the reason why they where they were there, because you know some people like to take take on a a cause because it's the thing to do right now.
0: Look at how many people jumped on the free Tibet bandwagon.
1: Yes, or the uh, or everybody remembers the Coney twenty twelve yes. thing where some where everybody was talking about it and wanting to and wanting to help fight Coney. Even though there was questions of whether Coney was really alive or dead or not, and there was questions as to the main uh, organization that was collecting the the proceeds, whether it was actually going towards fighting Kony or not right yeah, so
0: or the whole um do you remember the uh, social experiment they did where they uh, banned dihydrogen monoxide? Yes. <laughs> Everybody's jumping on that bandwagon. Meanwhile, all
1: it is is water. <laughs> yes, and um, and then the other way to take it is is that lyric the the kids at Tiananmen Square was fashion the reason why they were there. It's kind of like where you so a revolution happens, mm-hmm. and then eventually it becomes commoditized. It does, like the hippie movement in the sixties. It kind of became well. Where trends are cyclical, mm-hmm. it became like cool. I remember in the '90s to dress like you were from the '60s, mm-hmm. cool, daddy you, and then you dress like you were in the '60s. So it became the fashion, even though it was kind of a form of protest when it originally was created. Right. And then you got people wearing, you know, like pictures of Che on their sh- on their shirts and stuff. Whenever you go to a college town, you always see a kid with a Che Rivera T-shirt.
0: I think I had a, I, think I had a. Shakespeare very <laughs> uh, when I was in college.
1: So And uh and that's kinda of the same thing there. A lot of uh politicians, you know, talk about other countries and they say, Well look at look at how they cracked down on their youth and how they did this and that, even though some would argue that there's a crackdown here on
2: mm-hmm.
1: um on the media and things like that so they disguise it they hypnotize it television made you buy it so they change the story, and so the thing is is it form it, propaganda can either get you fired up for something or it can make you complacent with something like it can reinforce the status quo and that's kind of what happened in this this song is that it mesmerized the simple-minded propaganda leaves us blinded in the course is I'm just sitting in my car and waiting for my girl. Mm -hmm. So, I take it as either this person has become so complacent that he doesn't give a crap about anything that's going on around him because he's just sitting in his car doing the American thing, which is just getting your girl in your car. Or you can think of it as he doesn't care about all that. He just wants to live his life. I think it's probably more the former than it is the latter. And then the question is is who the girl who's the girl because later uh, there's another song in the uh, in the mesmerized hit the ties double album that talks about a sad statue of liberty so you could probably even argue that the girl is liberty but we kind of squandered it so we're just kind of waiting on her to come back. So that's... See, and, and that's why I like System of Down, because they put thought into their lyrics and stuff like that. Unfortunately, they, the system will get back together every now and then uh, for play a their, one-off show. They'll
0: play their old stuff, but they can't agree upon anything to write new stuff. Right.
1: And it's mostly because of the two front guys, Serz uh, Chonkian and Darren Malikian. Um... They don't get along anymore, and they both have their own side projects. Uh, Serge has his own solo career. Uh, Darren went on to make Scars on Broadway, which sound and it's funny because you can tell the songs that were mostly done by Serge sound like his solo stuff, mm-hmm. and then the songs that were really done by mostly done by Darren in System sound like Scars on Broadway. And but the other interesting thing about it is that they. They kind of put their money where their mouth is. They weren't just out there making these songs. System, like, at their concerts, would have kiosks out front. Uh, Like, when we went and seen Ozzy, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: there was a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame kiosk and stuff like that. There
0: was another one I thought was really interesting when we went and saw Ozzy was there was a kiosk for, I think it was bone marrow donation. Yes.
1: Which
0: I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, and then there was also, uh, like, you know, like radio stations Mm -hmm. and shit like that. Well... System of a Down would always have uh, non-profit organizations, like Doctors Without Borders, things like that, that for AmeriCorps, mm-hmm. and things, you know, things to help other countries and things that can help around the world, and trying to find volunteers, or at least donations. So they were putting their money where their mouth was when they made this stuff, and Serge and Darren both being uh, Armenian so they their family was not too far removed from the Armenian genocide mm-hmm. and so that was kind of ingrained in them to be more socially conscious and political in their thought because they their families not too far removed from them lived through propaganda being placed out by the government that mm-hmm. eventually led to you know the attempted extinction of a in a cultural group Mm -hmm. so
0: you know system of a down i I am more of a lyric person you're more of a music person Mm -hmm. i always i mean their lyrics are are really good they're they're that kind of band that i like Mm
2: -hmm.
0: my thing is is that it's just their music uh Mm -hmm. i don't particularly care for the music and i don't particularly care for how it's sung but the lyrics Mm -hmm. are really good yes um but you know it's a good choice babe I, I'm really surprised you didn't pick something off of toxicity I am too if I would have picked like I said I'm not a huge fan but if I had picked anything I probably would have picked Ariel's off of off of toxicity That
1: was the only well, and I think the reason why I didn't pick anything off of toxicity one because it's the obvious choice and mm. two I like I really like toxicity completely as an album and so it' been really hard for me to try to pick one song off of it okay so.
0: um well I think tim that that wraps up our second episode of we have opinions yep. and our
1: desert island songs are complete yep uh,
0: so uh our next episode is going to be something a little different um this was kind of my idea to kind of get us into this whole experience yeah you try will. to
1: the a breakdown for trying to a getting to know you phase for us in the audience
0: right How about that uh, so the next one we're going to kind of jump into, I'm not a hundred percent sure what we're going to do yet. Yeah. Um, but we, we have s- a, we have a whole bunch of ideas for stuff. Yeah, so. we've got a whole
1: book full of ideas, so. Um, uh,
0: but it won't be like our favorites or anything like that. We're going to pick a topic and talk about different Things of pop culture that kind of represent that topic, I right. think.
1: And But we will come back to some of our favorites this and that so every now and then. You mean
0: my 17-episode Rush retrospective? Yeah,
1: and we might need to cut that down a little bit there.
0: No, no, we're not. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for asking.
1: Not to not to crush your artistic integrity. You're
0: crushing my artistic integrity, and I don't need your bullshit today. Um, I need your negativity in my life right now.
1: Okay.
0: Um, but anyway, uh, so thank you all for for uh coming and joining us on this ride
1: and and we hope you stick with us and uh as usual just like rate and subscribe
0: uh we're now available on pretty much every platform yep. for you to be able to subscribe to us uh, i think the only one i'm still waiting to hear back from is apple um you can just look us up on We Have Opinions. Um, you can send us, shoot us an email. Um, we, have, we, have,
1: we now have an email address. It's wehaveopinionscast at gmail.com. Uh,
0: you can find us on Instagram at wehaveopinionscast. And Twitter is, I believe, opinionscast. Let me yes. double check that. But I think that's what it is. So. I don't know. I just set them up the other day. So yep.
1: So we're trying to make a go of it, and we hope you guys join us and follow along and uh, enjoy the ride as much as we do. I so saw. I think that's it for this episode. So yep. we'll see you all later. Okay. See you next time.
2: Thanks.